Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the lands we record this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, as well as the Wanarua and the Gamilaroi people. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Last week, we saw videos posted on social media of women in the streets across Iran, removing their headscarves and throwing them into the flames of bonfires, surrounded by hundreds of protesters who cheered them on to defy their leaders and the police. So why are the women of Iran this furious? What has led to them and their allies taking to the streets in the thousands in a country that is known for cracking down on anything they perceive as immoral behaviour. Today, we look at the death of Masa Amini and how one young woman has led to an uprising. But first, in news headlines for Tuesday, September 27. Optus customers who've been most affected by the recent data breach will be given 12 months access to a credit monitoring service that will keep an eye on whether your details are being used to take out loans in your name. With some people's driver's licence and passport numbers stolen, along with their names, addresses and dates of birth, this may be enough information for lenders to give the person holding those details credit. So Optus has offered the most affected by the cyber attack a subscription to Equifax Project. Those impacted will receive an email from Optus informing them of the details so they can get started, as many worry about when their details will be sold and used by criminals. The long-awaited details of Labor's proposed Federal Anti-Corruption Commission are set to be released, with Attorney-General Mark Dreyfus to introduce the bill to the lower house today. Yesterday, crossbenchers voiced concerns that the commission would not be able to investigate third parties who may be involved in corruption, such as unions or lobbyists, but the Attorney-General assured the Parliament that the proposed model would allow them to investigate anyone who could adversely affect the honesty or impartiality of a public official's conduct. is aiming to have the legislation passed this year, but committee processes and the Senate procedure could delay it until March. Russian authorities say they have no plans at this point to seal the borders to stop the exodus of fighting-aged men since the declaration of the partial military mobilisation. Reports that the borders may close has caused turmoil since President Vladimir Putin gave the call-up order last week for some 300,000 reservists, the biggest escalation of the seven-month Ukrainian war yet, with flights out of the country sold out and cars piled up at border checkpoints. Russia considers millions of former conscripted men as reservists, with many of those men fleeing the country saying they don't want to be a part of Putin's war. 
Rescue efforts are underway to try and find two people who were swallowed up by a sinkhole in a town in Guatemala. The mother and daughter disappeared when their car fell into the hole in Villa Nueva, southwest of the capital, along with three other people. The hole opening up in the middle of the town's main thoroughfare after copious amounts of rain fell in the area. On Sunday, a crane pulled a blue sedan from the hole, but they couldn't find the occupants. The Opals are through to the knockout stage of the Basketball World Cup after defeating Canada. Australia are now three wins into the competition after the close 75-72 defeat of the previously undefeated Canadians, meaning they're now on track to finish in the top two of Group B and dodge a quarter-final meeting with tournament favourites, the US. Australia's win over Canada also put reigning Olympic silver medalist Japan out of contention, with one day remaining of the group stage. That's your latest news headlines in a moment. Today's deep dive. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move. And we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. On September 13, 22-year-old Masa Amini was visiting Iran's capital, Tehran. On that day, she was pulled up by the country's morality police, who declared that she was wearing her hijab too loosely. The hijab has been compulsory by law for women in Iran since 1983. And while Iranian women are, unlike their Afghanistani counterparts, allowed to access education, work outside the home and hold public office, they must do so wearing modest clothing, including the hijab and loose-fitting robes. The hijab must cover all her hair. The government drew on parts of the Quran and the Hadiths, or saying of the Prophet Muhammad, to justify the policy. Though some scholars say it is never clear in those texts whether women should wear a veil or not. The morality police are the authority on ensuring the dress code is strictly enforced, detaining anyone caught out on the street and thought to be wearing anything inappropriate. They're known as guidance patrols. Like many Iranian women who oppose the compulsory wearing of the hijab, we can see in photos of the 22-year-old that Masa Amini wore hers loosely around her face, with her hair showing. This is why she would have been arrested and taken into custody. But just hours later, she was in a coma. The circumstances surrounding the passing of Miss Amini are still to be formally investigated. But police claim she had a heart attack while waiting with other detained women at the Morality Police Station. This version of events is strongly rejected by her father, who says his daughter had no health issues or history of heart problems leading up to her death. The police also claim that there was no physical encounter between them and Miss Armini since her transfer from the police vehicle. But her father also claims that he saw bruises on his daughter's body. Iran state broadcaster aired footage that shows a woman they identify as Miss Amini falling to the ground after getting up from her seat to speak to an official at the station. But the video hasn't been independently verified. Activists claim she suffered a fatal blow to the head. Masa Amini was taken to hospital where she would later die. 
Her death sparking anger across the country, with women tired of being constantly policed over the strict dress code, removing their headscarves and burning them in protest. In this video, a compilation of women also chopping off their hair in defiance of the laws, you can hear the passion and emotion in their breathing as they hack off their locks. But this isn't the first time the hijab has sent Iranian people into the streets. Back when the compulsory wearing of it was introduced by the Ayatollah Khomeini, Iran's supreme leader at the time of the Islamic Revolution in 1979, there were protests so intense that the government changed its mind and said it was actually only a recommendation. Before the revolution, when Iran was ruled by a secular king, Mohammad Reza Pahlavi, the hijab was optional, many women choosing to wear it for tradition, identity, religious expression or family pressure. But they at least had a choice. Being forced into it has led many women to hate it, seeing it as a symbol of oppression. There have been more protests for this reason over the years, but none showing so much anger as they are today. But despite the furious rage shown by Iranian women and many of their male supporters, the edict remains in place and is even being pushed overseas. Iran's President Ebrahim Raisi last week attended the UN General Assembly in New York, where he was to be interviewed by veteran CNN correspondent Christiane Amanpour. But he cancelled when she refused to wear a headscarf at his request. While he was there, he told reporters that the death of Miss Amini must be investigated and that he'd been in contact with her family, assuring them this would be done. He called the protests an act of chaos that would not be tolerated. But the chaos continued. Others angry with the country's economy, which has been hit hard by sanctions, have also taken the opportunity to show their anger publicly, targeting Iran's guard, setting police stations and their vehicles on fire. There are reports of police officers being murdered. One social media video showing an officer being chased by a mob before being pulled to the ground and beaten. More than 40 protesters have also been killed. So will this show of defiance by the women of Iran end the compulsory hijab laws? Or will it end in bloodshed like the protests of 2019 when the Iranian people took to the streets over the insane price of fuel becoming the most severe anti-government unrest since the revolution, only to be met with an internet shutdown, a power blackout and a violent response from the military, which would see the deaths of as many as 1,500 people. Sharam Akbarzadeh is a research professor of Middle East and Central Asian politics at Deakin University. Sharam, is Masa Amini's case an isolated one? We know many women are arrested, but... How often are they allegedly assaulted or killed over the wearing of a hijab? Unfortunately, this is not a unique case. It is unique in the sense that Mahsa Amini lost her life. But it's not unique in the sense that the morality police is actively trying to enforce the compulsory hijab on women in public spaces. Since President Raisi came to office, he has been really enforcing a government crackdown on all sorts of civic activism, attacking NGO, women NGOs, and enforcing the compulsory hijab regulation. 
Does that make him popular with a certain element of the Iranian population? Why would he be so strict on enforcing those things when it seems from the resulting protests that they're not popular amongst the people? These policies and Raisi himself is extremely unpopular. Raisi only managed to get to office with the slimmest of margin when more than 50% of the population didn't actually attend didn't actually turn up to voting stations. So his popularity is very low, but he does have a conservative base. And the conservative base is happy to enforce these kind of laws. The conservative base feels that previous administrations and the reformist camp has undermined Islamic values, the way they see them in Iran. So they are happy to support this kind of uh, crackdown on civil liberties. Now, Iran's interior minister has said that the autopsy results from Ms. Amini's death showed no skull fracture, no signs that she was beaten. Can we trust that information coming from the government in Iran or how much are they known for sort of the propaganda-style information? It is very difficult to trust government declarations and official statements. They are very dubious. It is widely known and it is witnessed every day practically how the morality police treats women in public spaces. They are beaten with batons. They are thrown to the curb. I saw a recent video where a woman was thrown by the morality police against the um, side curb of a road, and I saw her hit her head against the curb. So, I mean, this is such a common practice in Iran that you can't really take those kind of statements seriously. The Iranian government has also cited that they believe that foreign powers are behind these latest protests, that they're using them to push for regime change. Can we count that out as being a possibility? That's the oldest trick in the book with the Islamic Republic of Iran. Every time there is public protest, every time there is expression of grievances about how the government is really making life hell for people in Iran, they blame foreign agents. They blame Israel, they blame the United States. And that's a way of deflecting criticism. That's a way of saying We are not dealing with real grievances. We're not dealing with genuine complaints. This is all a foreign conspiracy. We can't take that seriously. Unfortunately, the regime is just oblivious to how it is making life a misery for its citizens. Now, we've seen massive protests in Iran over the last, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, especially back in 2019, 2020, in response to that huge fuel price spike. But that, of course, ended terribly for those people who were pushing for change. And it was a bloodbath in the end. Are we expecting to see the same thing here? Unfortunately, I'm quite pessimistic about the prospects of what this public outpouring of anger is going to lead to. The government has no qualms in using brute force. They don't shy away from shooting civilians, unarmed civilians. They don't shy away in torturing, arresting, prosecuting anyone who expresses dissent. So I really don't hold any hopes about the prospects of this round of public anger and public protest. What about for the women that we're seeing at the moment who are burning their headscarves and posting videos of themselves cutting their hair? 
after this is all said and done, are they then in further danger from being hunted down potentially? Well, what this shows is that the man had had enough. The Iranian people have had enough, enough of all this pressure that is put on them. The very basic right of what to wear and how to wear is people have just had enough. So they are not thinking long term. They are just expressing their frustration, their anger, and their desire to be free in public. But there is a real danger that those individuals will be identified and they will be arrested once things settle down. Yes, there's a real danger. The outlook for the end of this protest is certainly not a rosy one for the women and men who are fighting. But is there any hope that the danger these women have put themselves in will lead to any meaningful change? There is a slim possibility of change, but it's not the possibility of uh, regime change. It's not the possibility of political change. There is a possibility of some minor modifications in the way the government pursues its various policies. So at the moment, the reformist camp in Iran has already started saying that perhaps they should look at amending the laws on compulsory hijab. So this public outpouring of anger is opening the door for the reformist camp within the regime to start making some minor adjustments. So we might see some minor adjustments down the track, but it's not going to happen this year because the hardliners won't allow any change now. But perhaps down the track, there would be some minor changes, yes. That's the quickie for today. This episode was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Liv Proud, with audio production by Tom Line. Thanks to anyone listening who's become a Mamma Mia subscriber. Subscribers get access to every podcast, exclusive videos and all the great articles on Mamma Mia. And of course, you'll be supporting our team of female journalists and producers. Subscriptions cost as little as $5.75 a month. There's a link in our show notes.